Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey guys, we are here with the Hollywood Life Podcast, and doesn't that song sound amazing? I just love it. We are here with Bonnie McKee, and that is her song, Mad Mad World. It is her new single. Welcome, Bonnie. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming. There's your fans. Oh my God, I'm so popular. (laughs) You are. (laughs) And I'm so psyched because I've never had a guest to our podcast who's also called Bonnie. Oh yeah, I don't mean a whole lot of Bonnies. I know. We we have a very rare name. Indeed, yeah. (laughs) Well, listen, I am so I am so impressed. You've had the most incredible career. Um, you are building your solo career, and this new song is it's a really beautiful song. And it was inspired. Why don't you tell us what inspired it? Because we are living in a mad, mad world. Yeah. Um, I wrote this song at the end of last year. Uh, it was actually right after the Las Vegas shooting, which is, you know, obviously tragic and, and kind of heavy. Um, and it had been a heavy year of news, really, you know, just um, all of the sex scandals in Hollywood and the school shootings and the fires in California. And it was just I, I Every day I was waking up and looking at my phone and feeling like the world was ending. You know, I had a lot of like doomsday anxiety. And so um, when I went into the studio that day, I was just I had been glued to the television for 24 hours and there was no way that I could just write another love song. I knew I needed to say something about it. And I and the producer that was in the room with me as one who's incredible felt the same way. It was just like such a heavy day. And so um, so I wrote Mad Mad World and it's it's still uplifting um, and hopeful, but it's really about, you know, as much as I want to just like throw my phone away and not hear about all the horrible things happening in the world, I think now more than ever. It's important that we stand up and pay attention and do something about it. Absolutely. And I mean, you say that in the song, like you talk about your phone and Mm -hmm. getting all this news on the phone. Mm -hmm. And you'd been so the Las Vegas shooting had happened. Did you know anybody who was actually involved in the shooting, like who was affected by it? No, but because it was a music industry um, event, it really hit close to home, you know, and also, you know, the thing that happened with Ariana in England and like, it's scary. It feels like no Nobody's safe, you know. No, and it's, um, like it's it, true. Yeah, and it really like keeps me up at night. <laughs> so, um, well, because you are a performer and you go to venues and you're in front of large crowds. Yeah, we, I just did. A, I'm on tour with Kygo right now, and we just did a bunch of stuff in Europe. And I had moments of being in these big arenas and being in big crowds and having anxiety about it, you know. Um, so I, I felt like I needed to hear a song about that, and I thought that maybe some other people might want to hear a song about it too. Yeah, 
and, you know, to acknowledge it. And so when you went into the studio, like how, how do you write? Like you wanted to go in, you knew you were going to be there. Do you start with working on uh, a melody? Do you start with your lyrics? Like how does it work for you? Um, I have a whole book of concepts. And so I'm constantly inspired everywhere I go. I see stuff on the cover of a magazine. I hear people in line at the grocery store. So I'm always writing down titles. And um, so usually that's kind of where I come from, from a songwriting, like as a job thing. Um, on this particular day, I really came in and spoke from my heart and and just like, it was literally just what came out of my mouth. Like, it's just a mad world. It's just everything is upside down right now. Do you think it is actually, or maybe it's just like our phones and social media is making us think it's that crazy because like Steven Pinker had this amazing book in 2011, I think uh, the, the famous psychologist called Better Angels of Our Nature. Uh, a, a fellow Canadian with you, Bonnie, yeah. declining how vi- the world has never been more peaceful. There's never been less conflict, mm-hmm. less wars, less mm-hmm. murders and kill. Like all of the trends are going in the right direction, but it just seems like everything is worse because you instantly get every bit of bad news beamed to your phone. And we all know about it all the time. It could and be. of course, things like the Las Vegas shooting are like beyond terrible. So these outlier events are like making us think that the world is more violent when it actually isn't. Well, Oh, sorry, I wouldn't interrupt you, but on a global scale, things are getting better. There's less poverty, but and there are no huge wars. But I think within the U.S., like this, there's been incredible disruption. Yeah, definitely. And um, also, you know, there was like nuclear war on the horizon and that uh, really yeah. scared me. Like, I, I really <laughs> well, was like, oh, still. my God, what do you do? I mean, there's nothing you do. You can't run. Bonnie, Trump you solved know? that. It's fine. Oh, great. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, Trump. Wow. <laughs> Well, uh, before he gets his Nobel Peace Prize, let's see what happens with Iran. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think that people do feel like it's um, it is a mad, mad world. And I do think that there's more disruption here Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And also, I think that having, uh, you know, a news source in your pocket 24 hours a day definitely adds to things being crazy as far as like social media making people crazy and make, making people vain and making people obsessive and like that's a part of the mad world that we live in you yeah know? i agree and also if you I mean you're in the world of celebrity being a songwriter and you work with a lot of celebrities and i'm sure you see how you know they say uh, the right thing or they say just the wrong thing that's misinterpreted and, mm-hmm. and the wildfire that goes on and the trolling that goes on oh, yeah, on no, social media. Yeah, there's I've definitely had people turn on me online before and it's such an overwhelming sinking feeling where you just even if it's not like a whole like hordes of people, it can be like a handful of people decide that they don't like you. And it's it's like really a panicked feeling because there's nothing you can do. You can't control what people say. And um, I just can't imagine being a middle schooler today. Like it was hard enough being an adolescent, but to have all of that pressure and everyone summing each other up by how many likes you have, how many friends you have. It's just, it's not real. You know, it seems like the trolls are like running the world sometimes (laughs) because like there's this silent majority out there who doesn't say anything. Like, I don't think I've ever left a comment on a website or a YouTube video that mm-hmm. I didn't make, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just who are all these people who are spending all this time in the comment section? It's not like you and me. Well, and there's also those kids. bots. Yeah. It's, Listen, it's, there's Russian yeah, bots. It's bots <laughs> and trolls and it makes it seem like everything is worse. And it's like you can get like two bad comments on something. Right. And it makes you feel like, oh, my God, the tide is turned against yeah. me. When if you were able to like run some sort of real statistical analysis, it would be like the 
the small minority of people who are being mean, right? Mm -hmm, definitely. So tell us more about how you're proceeding. You've got your new single out. Mm -hmm. You're touring with Kygo. You got you have a single with Kygo. Mm -hmm. How how is this leading into an album? Like the music world, you've been in the music world for how many years? Um, I started. I got my first record deal when I was 16. Um, so since you're like yeah, a baby, I, I, yeah, just I kind of grew up in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I don't know what else I would do at this point. You know. <laughs> well, obviously you love it. I do. Yes. I love it and being on tour with Kygo has been amazing um I don't have a single with him but I have I'm performing two songs on the tour yeah because um, I've heard you yes yeah and uh we're playing arenas you know which is like a dream come true we just played Coachella a couple weeks ago and yeah I saw your pictures on Instagram oh. look like you had a lot of fun there oh my gosh that was really a bucket list moment for me I've been going as a fan <laughs> for years to Coachella and so and always looking up at that jumbo screen hoping one day that my face would be up there so I literally burst into tears the moment I stepped off the stage it was like a very emotional moment for me so yeah, how did it feel like getting out there for the first time in front of the Coachella crowd? Oh, my God. Honestly, I was just trying to survive. Like you're just like trying to remember to breathe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you ever have a problem like where you're so you're trying to remember to breathe, like where you forget the lyrics or anything? Well, that was what I was so focused on because I was singing a song that I don't normally sing at Coachella. I did It Ain't Me, the Selena Gomez song. And Ooh, um, that's a jam. I know. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah. I was really pumped to put my own spin on it. But it was the first time I had ever performed. I had never performed it before. So my debut of performing it was at Coachella. Wow. That's a Chicago song. Yeah. For people to know. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I got up there, I was like, just don't don't mess up the words. Is there, also, the words. Is there like extra pressure because Coachella has become such a scene? It's oh, like oh the God. Bella Hadids of the world are all there. The Gigi Hadids. The very There's a lot of Hadids running around. So many around. Hadids. There's a lot of Jenners running around. Yeah. It's just like, geez, are these people all going to be? And then I'm going to be on Bella Hadid Snapchat and 10 million people are going to see it that I didn't really plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's definitely like the... You know, the holy grail for like a Hollywood who's who of shows you could play, you know, so. And yeah. while you were actually, so you're up there and you're going, I got to remember the lyrics. I got to remember the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Like, were you able to kind of feel and absorb anything else while you were performing? Um, I was like, don't catch on fire because there's pyro. It <laughs> <laughs> happens sometimes. <laughs> I think it's outdoors. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, I, it was, just, I was so overwhelmed. I was really, I was really in the moment just mm -hmm. like being alive, which was an incredible feeling. And what I love about being on stage, I feel like when, my, when I'm on stage performing, that's like the closest I feel to God is really? like, is like, I'm channeling something. I'm out of my body. I'm communicating with a crowd full of people and they're giving me their energy and I'm giving them mine. And there's just no better feeling in the world. And is that how you always feel when you perform? Yes. Absolutely. And did you start feeling that like when you were 16 or 17, when you started performing? Oh, I remember the first time I ever performed when I was in like kindergarten or first grade, <laughs> I sang in like the, the Christmas pageant or yeah, whatever. You were in the chorus, weren't you? <laughs> yes, like I was. You're in school. You, yeah, I was you, a choir girl. Yeah. <laughs> right. And didn't you? Didn't your choirs win awards? Um, yeah. Yeah. We toured Europe and sang for the Vatican and whole thing. Wow. Yeah. It was like a competitive That's... choir, Seattle Girls Choir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you guys it. catch that? She was a competitive choir girl. <laughs> I tried out for that choir, Bonnie. I didn't quite make the cut. Well, you are a boy, so um, <laughs> that would be hard to make it in a choir I was girl. Like, Discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a big deal. So when you were performing in choir, mm -hmm. you would get that feeling. Well, I mean, performing in a choir is a very different experience because you're like in a it's like being in a school of fish, you know, where the nerves aren't the same. The spotlight's not on you. You're a team player. And I love that feeling and singing tight harmonies.
harmonies and and doing really difficult music is really fun for me. Um, but there's something different about being solo um, because a in classical music you're taught to keep your hands by your side. So I never was able to move. I love to move. I love to use my entire body when I perform. So um, there's like a whole physical element that comes into it when I'm doing my own solo thing. So um, the first solo that I did. I would say was the moment where I stepped out and was like, wow, big crowd, spotlight, can't see anything. And it's just very um, transcendent. Well, you're also a pretty prolific songwriter. I want to ask about some of the songs that you've written for a lot of big stars like Katy Perry and stuff. What is that process like and how how did you get into like more behind the scenes stuff? Well, I moved to L.A. and I got a record deal. And you were really young, too. right? Yes. 16. mm -hmm, I moved by myself at 16 and was kind of thrown to the wolves a little bit. Um, signed to Warner Brothers, had a whole, you know, thought I had made it. Thought Your parents my were okay with that? Yeah, you know, things were a little weird at home. So oh. I was happy to be gone. They were happy for me to leave. Oh, <laughs> this is, this is, you were leaving from Bellevue at the time? That's right, so. yes, yeah. Um, so I was glad to be gone and uh, came down to L.A. and made the album, you know, didn't go as planned. It had a few sinks and, like, thought I had made it, but got dropped like so many people do. Um, which and is that's really, a very typical experience, yeah, isn't it? It's really a rite of passage. You know, <laughs> I feel like you don't really understand the industry until it's turned on you. Um, because it's all, you know, flowers and butterflies until you realize that nobody cares. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And like that, that you're next last week's. Yeah. News, and yeah. also like it's just a job for everyone at the radio or everyone at the, um, well, the radio, too. And the record label, um, they just are trying to feed their kids. And if you're not like hot right that minute, they got to move on to the next thing. So you got to learn to not take it personally and just keep moving, you know. Um, so I got dropped, I was broke, lost everything and, um, started singing demos for money. I was, had nothing. And, um, I met Katy Perry socially, actually, well, randomly, really. I met her in a thrift store. (laughs) We were both broke artists selling our clothes. (laughs) Didn't didn't she have a similar experience that she also went there and got dropped by her label and Mm -hmm. she was super poor too, had no money. Yeah, no, we were, you know, scratching, scrounging through the couch for Taco Bell change together. (laughs) So, um, I met her. She started as like a, a she was doing religious music, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 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 Um, so she, you know, she definitely paid her dues before she had her big payoff. Um, so you're scrounging in the thrift store and mm-hmm. did you both want the same dress? Um, we were actually there selling our clothes because we oh. were so broke. <laughs> so funny shopping in the thrift stores for those fancy people. <laughs> the rest of us are selling our crap. Yeah, we were, we were selling our stuff and getting rejected by the way, this particular oh. thrift store, I wouldn't call it a thrift store. It's a vintage store. So I this see. particular vintage store in LA is very snooty and they never take anything. So you're just like being rejected. You're like standing in a line full of a bunch of people and they're just like rejecting all of your stuff that you love so much. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll just leave with my five garbage bags now. Anyway, so I met her in line. She approached me and was like, you're Bonnie McKee because I had put out this album on Warner Brothers. And she said, you know, I'm a fan of yours and your song, uh, Conventions of a Teenage Girl, inspired my song, One of the Boys. And I checked out her stuff on MySpace and we had really similar aesthetic and um, so we were just fast friends and, uh, she ended up blowing up and then invited me to come and write on the second album for Teenage Dream. So, um, that was really like a godsend for me because I really had nothing. So, um, I came in and, uh, she was kind enough to let me collaborate and she's an incredible songwriter in her own right. So, um, it's easy. We're a good team. We have the same process. And so you wrote together, you wrote California Girls mm-hmm. and Teenage Dream, Wide Awake, what are some of the others? Last Friday Night, Part of Me, Roar, 
Um, all, the, all the Katy Perry jams. Yeah, I mean, these are huge, huge hits. I think Teenage Dream is my favorite Katy Perry song because of that bridge oh. is so good. <laughs> Thank right? you. Do you, yeah. write the, do you write the top line on that? Um, yeah, it's a it's a group effort, you know. And of course, we have we had two of the best songwriters and producers in the room with us, Max Martin and Dr. Luke. And um, so it's kind of hard to to fail in a room like that. You I know? loved Wide Awake. Oh, thank I you. I mean, that, like, to me, that expressing her experience mm-hmm. of losing her marriage, yeah. that Wide Awake was so incredible. Thank you so much. So great job. But just tell us a little more, like, how when you collaborate, like, how do you do it for people who are not in that world? Um, well, it's different depending on who I'm writing with, you know. Um, everybody has different processes. And that's why I like I liked writing with Katie so much was because we had a similar thing where sometimes I'll you know, usually in pop music, they'll give you a track that's already done. So the music is already laid down and then, uh, we'll come up with melodies and I like to kind of go and sit in silence for hours at a time sometimes and really suss out the lyric. And I'll write a few different versions of a lyric and see which one sings best phonetically. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a quiet process for me. I like to sit and mull over things and let it simmer. And then we, and then Katie and I would come together and compare notes and, you know, so and she'd be together. also writing lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she's an incredible lyricist. Yeah. So, do you? Would you guys talk at all about how, what she would want to express, oh, like yeah. about how she felt about her marriage yes, and it coming absolutely. to an end? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of songwriting, going in with an artist, and this is true of I think any artist that I've ever written with, is about getting to know each other and sitting down. I mean, luckily, Katie and I already knew each other, um, and I already knew Kesha as well when I worked with Kesha. Um, but sometimes, you know, you got to sit down and be like, what's going on? You know, who are you dating? Who are, who mm-hmm. broke your heart? What keeps you up at night? What's going on? You know, where are you from? What's your relationship with your dad like, you know? <laughs> um, cause all those things are going to play a factor in what's going to come out of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's a, a lot of kind of girl talk in the studio. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really interesting. Cause I think people really wonder about that because, um, when they know an artist, like so often their songs sound, ex- you know, do reflect exactly what's going on mm-hmm. with their lives. Yeah. And, you know, that's why everybody analyzes the lyrics mm-hmm. and, you know, is, um, I'm just trying to think of a, an example. I mean, certainly Katie with her marriage, you would see those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I remember with Rihanna, mm-hmm. like after we found out that she was seeing Chris Brown again, right. and then you went back and look at the songs, uh, we found love and mm-hmm. realized that that was about how they got back together, but we didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, she cast a Chris Brown doppelganger as the lead in that video. Yeah. Too, yes. So. Um, that is true. She was giving us hints. Yeah. Can you play? I'm gonna play a little bit of Teenage Dream for you. Can you just walk us through how you did this little, <laughs> little part of it? Sure. So here's the chorus, and then I love this bridge that's after it. This bridge. kind of like you get a little secret chorus after the chorus has already happened how did you guys come up with that it's just like a little treat that's kind of like in the back of the song (laughs) thank you yeah i think a lot of times for a songwriter a bridge is is usually kind of a throwaway yeah or it's like a big epic moment but it's my favorite part of all of Katy perry's catalog (laughs) is this one bridge thank you so much well um the lyric was inspired by you know the whole song is about teenage love obviously and what it was like when you the first time you fall in love where everything feels like such a big deal and just like a brush of the hand is a big Mm -hmm. deal and so the idea i i this i'm such a dope because here i was thinking it was about um like a a teenage guy falling in love let's say with katie Mm -hmm. but she was in her 20s like Uh. that she was 
being a teenager's dream. Right. Because he was lusting after her when she was older. Bonnie has a, has a form for her fan theories on Reddit. <laughs> amazing. I've, I've never heard that, and I'm never going to forget it. That's amazing. Um, the older woman story. No. Um, no, it's about like going back to now your... Now she'd probably be arrested. <laughs> Bonnie, let's hear the real story. Um, no, it's, 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 it was all inspired by kind of uh, our first feelings of lust, really, in middle school or high school when you first have a crush on someone and that giddy feeling that, you, that bubbles up inside of you. And so the bridge specifically was um, with the skin tight jeans yeah. thing. I remember like jeans were a big deal, first of all. Like you wanted to look good in your jeans. And like I know guys are always checking out the girls in their jeans at school, whatever. <laughs> but the idea of like over the clothes stuff yeah. is like hot. You know? Heavy petting, as they say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it was, <laughs> and like, let you put your hands on me. You know, it was right. kind of like the early sort of foreplay stuff is the most exciting thing in yes, the world, exactly. you know? So that was kind of the inspiration for that. It's almost like, did you ever, did you think like, man, this could be a chorus to a whole different song? Why, like, you know, it's like you have, when you write a hook that's that good, it's like you're almost tempted to make it a part of it, something else, Well, right? it does come back again in the outro. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it we, does. we thought it was worth hearing again. Yeah, you know? for sure. I agree. Anyway, that's my, my little Katy Perry Thank bugaboo. You. <laughs> so you did a lot of collaborating mm -hmm. and I mean... Dynamite was a mega hit too. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Was a, that was a surprise. I didn't see that one coming. You didn't? Uh-uh. No. Um, we wrote it originally uh, for somewhat for Flowrider. It was supposed to be or something. Uh -huh. And then Tayo came in, who is also an incredible songwriter, and he rewrote the verses. Because some, something happened with timing with, with um, Florida. Florida, yeah. So um, Tayo came in and just killed it on the verses. And... It's funny, this song is really about surrender, and everybody thinks it's about party time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it turned into party time with his verses, but originally I just wrote the hook, and it was about, like, I throw my hands up in the air sometimes saying, Ayo, gotta let go, where it's like throwing your hands up, like, I give up, I surrender. But everyone's like, ah, oh, party time at the club, you know? <laughs> there was like five or six years where you could not go to any club anywhere in the world and not hear the song at least once, <laughs> yeah. right? It was just... You yeah. knew you were out for a long night if you were going to hear that <laughs> song and there was going to be bottles and whatever else. Yeah, it was one of those songs that just didn't quit. It was one of the ones that like the kindergartners liked, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's when you yes. know you've done something right, where it's like your grandma and your niece all love it, you know? Yeah. It's going to be a weddings forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's definitely going to be a weddings bar forever. Bar and everything. <laughs> that's the goal, you know? That's the goal as a songwriter. It's a, sta it's a standard. <laughs> is it intimidating, like, as you've worked with Cher, mm -hmm. so is it intimidating when you... Uh, get together with somebody like that who's such a legend and you you're gonna work with them I sadly did not get to meet Cher and I still haven't I want to so so badly um but she cut my song and I was so starstruck just hearing her voice on it I was dying and tell us which song that was um it's called sleep to dream and um it wasn't a single or anything but I don't care because it's a Cher song and I'm just pumped no matter what getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um, but she, when I, I did a whole 
a batch of share songs of share demos and I sang them all in my share voice. So ah. That was really fun. <laughs> that, that voice? Yes, that's the voice. That's the one. <laughs> uh, but now I want to ask you a little bit about the business side because Bonnie, our Bonnie, has a theory that you must be wildly wealthy from writing all these songs. But I was saying, well, maybe she was working for like the record company. You never know what the deal is. And these record companies have a very sneaky way of getting the ownership rights, even from really big artists like yeah. Katie. Well, um, the record, the master side is different from the publishing side. So okay. I own my part of the publishing. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. So I receive royalties on radio play or oh, six or anything like that. Yeah, so, so, you, so you're not having to live out of your car anymore. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as as an artist, a lot of times, if an artist doesn't write the music, it's really easy for them to end up with nothing because yeah. the record labels own the masters. Right. And, and you hear that all the time. Yeah. And being an independent artist myself, I have learned how valuable my masters are. When I put out my EP a couple of years ago, Bombastic, it was four songs and I was getting a lot of syncs for it and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is cool, whatever. And then when I got the money and like looking at the publishing check versus the master's check, I was like, oh, that's where the money is. That's why the record labels make so much money. And I just had no idea. So being independent has been really educational for me. And so now you make sure you get the rights to... The, the master and the publishing, yes. Okay, mm -hmm. so we don't have to worry about you. You're doing okay. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Yes. Okay, <laughs> phew. <laughs> okay. Um, well, well, Bonnie, you brought up something about you're living in your car, though. That was a real thing. I mean, you just no. sort of threw it in, but you had some hard times, uh, right? Yes, I definitely had some hard times. Well, I, I didn't live in my car. So I'm not Jewel. But I heard you but... didn't have a phone. <laughs> you didn't have a phone. No, I didn't have a phone. I didn't have hot water. I I really was So like, where were you living where there was no hot water? Uh, I was living in Hollywood, but like my gas would get turned off. And oh. so I would like get in the shower and it would be freezing. And so I'd have to like either not shower or, you know, sadly ask my friends if I could come over and use theirs. Been there. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, talk any of my record label friends into taking me out to lunch, knowing that they'll pay for it, you know. Spence this, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember a story that Katie actually um, talked about where she said she was at like she went out for dinner with a group of people and she had no money. Mm -hmm. So she only ordered like uh, water and like soup. Yeah. And then they split the bill and all these people had all these really expensive things. Oh, no. oh my God. And she was just like crying because she couldn't yeah. pay. Been there. Yeah. Been or that there. was going to be her all her money for the week. She mm -hmm. couldn't eat anymore. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've been there. Yeah. So how when you've had an experience like that, like really having nothing, mm -hmm. does it like truly make you appreciate even more everything that you've accomplished and have now. Absolutely. And you know, when I first got signed when I was a teenager, I got a huge record deal. I got all this crazy money and I thought that I was set for life. Of course, I spent it all. I had a New York apartment. I had an LA apartment. I had a shoe addiction. I love oh, sushi man. and all my friends do too, you know? <laughs> um, so that was just gone. When I got dropped, I had nothing and was like, oh my God, like I had no concept of money. You know, no one was looking out for me. And so um, it was important that I learned how to pay my own taxes and you know what how what keeps the power on oh you have to actually pay a bill so that the light turns on you know it's things you don't think about unless somebody teaches you these things you know so I'm glad that I had that experience um those advances get everybody because record label advances right because yeah. you get this huge bunch of money all at once and it's up to you to like pay the taxes and budget it right. out and pay back for your music video or your recording process right mm -hmm. and no one like no one takes you to record label school and tells <laughs> yeah. you 
you need to get an accountant and whatever and make it last, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I was mismanaged and no one was really looking out for me. So, but I'm glad that I had to learn the hard way. I think it's really important because if things had all just gone my way, who knows what I would be like, well, who it, I would be. Right. Well, you just said who you would be. So does it also make you empathetic Definitely. to other people who are working hard, but, you know, have tough times? Definitely. Because a lot of people in this country, you know, work five, six, seven days a week and are barely paying their bills Absolutely, or yeah. not paying their bills even with doing that. Yeah. I think it's important to have a concept of money and how much it costs to live, you know, and before that I didn't. Um, so yeah. So then when I finally was able to, you know, have a house with running water and hot water <laughs> and have a car and, you know, not have to worry, it was a huge sigh of relief. And even just, I remember like when I went up to Santa Barbara to write Teenage Dream, um, at the time my phone had been turned off and didn't have hot water, all that stuff. And I went in, we were staying at the four seasons and I went into <laughs> That's my, kind of a change. Yeah. And I went into my suite and like drew a hot bath and got in and just like burst into tears and was just Aww. like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I'm going to be okay. You know? Cause you were working with Katie and yeah. writing and they gave you had a salary or something. They were giving you money. Well, you as a songwriter, you don't get paid unless it's a hit. So it was just, they, they were paying for the hotel suite. Yeah, exactly. I was <laughs> so. just like, cool. I know. And also I just knew that I was in the right rooms I knew that the work we were doing was good and that something would happen something would happen but yeah. now that you have this really big reputation as like a hit maker is has that opened a lot more doors for you are you getting more calls at this point to work on this and that than you can actually even take and that is that a good thing uh yeah I mean for a while it was really hectic and kind of over the top and I had to start I had to learn how to say no because I, I there was so many years where I didn't have any opportunities and so I kind of overcommit. Um, but now I can kind of pick and choose what it is I want to work on, you know, and I've taken some time off from it and I'm kind of starting to get back into it again because it, it can get kind of soul sucking, you know, you remind me like a young Linda Perry or something oh, that thank works you. with like all these big artists. She wrote like Christina Aguilera's beautiful yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. She did all the pink stuff. Yeah. She was leading her four non blonde. So she had her own, like really, I think good solo career, but also was like so just respected among other huge artists mm -hmm. for doing so many other things. Yeah. Is there anyone else you really look up to like that? Um, as far as being on behind the scenes, yeah, yeah, songwriting. Like songwriters that you, especially ones that you've come across with in your career. Well, I'd say that like my, my hero is Max Martin. Max Martin is like the, the, God. the godfather of pop. Absolutely. And I still, even though I worked very closely with him on pretty much every hit I wrote, um, when I see him, I'm starstruck by him. And I feel like every time I'm in the room with him, I learn something. And tell, tell us more about Max Martin for our audience who does won't know who he is. Also Max, Swedish, Bonnie. Also Swedish. Yeah, there's something in the water in Sweden. I don't know what it is. But, the darkness. Um, yeah, I think it's just like the long winters maybe. I don't know. But um, yeah, Max Martin is, he started out with Ace of Bass, working on Ace of Bass in the 90s. And then he broke Britney Spears, uh, Backstreet Boys, uh, he wrote, sync, hit like, me baby one more time. I mean, among a million other. Yeah, songs. and then into Kelly Clarkson, Avril Lavigne, Pink. Like you name the pop star, he has written Ariana, Katie, Kesha. You know, he's written Usher, big songs like, for them. Everything, pretty much that whole wedding and bar mitzvah list is him. He's written all of those songs. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's really he gets like, money every time a Jewish person turns 13. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> and yeah. when you're when you're working with people like this inspiration, do you have to wait for inspiration to to hit or can is it like a job? You go, I'm going in and I'm just going to work until I get something. 
Yeah, it's it. You know, in the beginning, when I was just an artist and just starting to get into songwriting for other people, I was like, well, I'm not feeling inspired today. But when there's a demand, you have to show up prepared or you I mean, you get to a point where like at this point, I've written so many songs in my life that I know that I can walk into a room and something will happen. You know, I'm not going to leave empty handed. There are rare occasions where I'm just like, I just can't today. But for the most part, like there is a formula that you kind of follow for pop music specifically. And there, in terms of like the beats, the in terms of like, uh, you know, uh, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, mm-hmm. like structure and like certain words sing better than others and certain chord progressions are, you know, trendy at the time. So you kind of go in with a loose idea of what's going to work that day. Um, so, it be- yeah, it is like a job a lot of times. Do you ever um, write something and you're like, damn it, I wish I would have kept that one to myself? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, all the time. It's probably pretty hard <laughs> to give away. When you come up with a really great hook, it's probably hard to give it away, right? Yeah, definitely. You not want to put, release it on your own. For sure. But I mean, there's also, you know, when I go in and write for a specific artist, I'm there for them and I have them in mind. And so it's what I write for, a, you know, a Carly Rae or a Kesha or whatever may not be something that I would keep for myself, you know, so... It's, it's funny because we um, interviewed Gene Simmons from Kiss, uh-huh. um, I guess about a month ago, yeah. and he never had any musical training at mm-hmm. all, never did any music until, I guess, high school. And he really just wanted to have a band because he thought, I'll get girls yeah. if I have a band. <laughs> and the story so, of every guy who gets behind yeah. into music. <laughs> yeah. And so he and Paul Stanley, I guess they went to high school together, decided, well, we're going to have get girls. And mm-hmm. so we'll start a band. And they taught themselves how to play like using i i guess they they bought like those how to play guitar books and things <laughs> <laughs> i think i had some of those myself at one point <laughs> and he said that like all the songs that he wrote it was just like he would sit down at nine in the morning and just go i'm just gonna write a song i'm going to come up with a song yeah and that's how they did it yeah like, sometimes no you- training and just yeah. himself. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to sit down and put pen to paper and push record and see what happens. And then some days it's great. And most days it's not, you know, and not every day is a winner. But yeah. it's kind of a numbers game. Because people think being like in a creative profession, it's just like you, you, it has to flow or something. It's not like when you're an accountant and you come in mm-hmm. and you just have to get down to. Yeah. There's a, there's like this X factor, though, of like being able to do this. Right. I There's this famous story of the Beatles, like early in their career that they tell where John and Paul were like writing all the songs, of course. And then Ringo would sometimes try to write songs and he would bring them songs and almost every time they would be on the floor laughing listening to his songs because he all he had done is like rewritten like um schoolhouse rock by right, Elvis yeah. and he didn't know <laughs> he didn't realize that he had just like had that in his head and it came out yeah like I'm and I've I've had that happen to me too because I used to be in a band and like you come up with something you're like oh no I this mean, is teenage dream or whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that happens all the time and you know there is a fine line between familiarity and yes. just straight up copyright infringement Right. Um, <laughs> and sometimes you're yeah. going to court now a lot. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that blurred lines thing was yes, crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Me. Crazy. To right. Me. Crazy. I can't believe that. I mean, that had all of us running scared because every song I write is inspired by something and you can't copyright vibe, you know? Yeah. I think that was really what that case was about. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's OK to borrow. You just have to, you know, it's got to be legally sound. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something that is like a down to earth person who's serious in the business has to think about. Now, it's a very to outsiders, songwriting, performing, being an artist, a musical artist is a very glamorous career. Mm-hmm. Um, would, is it a glamorous life or there, 
But on the other hand, there's a lot of pressures. I mean, Mm -hmm. look what happened to Avicii. Incredibly Mm. successful. And it overwhelmed him. Swede again. Swede. Yeah. Yeah. So sad about him. Do you, did you know him? I didn't know him personally, but um, Kaigo, who I'm on tour with, it was it was like his number one influence. So he was really broken up about it. Um, and some of the people on our team were very close with him. So um, it was a difficult day. And we found out actually the day that we played Coachella. Oh. So um, Kaigo did a little um, a little song for him in remembrance. Um, but yeah, it is a lot of pressure. And um you know, we're always joking, like, we should have a support group. <laughs> because there's a lot of, like, uh, you know, fruitless labor, kind of, where as a songwriter, on the side, songwriter th- side of things, we don't get paid to write songs. Like, I don't get a salary. I, I get, like, an advance for a publishing deal. Like, most of them are very small. And then, you know, you have to make that work until, like, if you, I mean, obviously, I have royalties and whatever, I'm fine. But if you're a beginning songwriter, you don't get paid to write songs unless even Nashville, Nashville people get paid to write songs. But we go in, we work for free tirelessly every single day. We pour out our hearts and souls. We turn them into our publishers and sometimes they never even respond. And there's also, do you speak to a little bit the temptation that's also in the musical world? Because like whenever those videos come out of like, especially hip hop artists recording, the recording session is just like a pure bacchanal. It's just like weed and alcohol and random women. And like, there's a lot of distraction when you're trying to mm-hmm. work on something, right? Just because like the culture of music production, there's no formal yeah. right way you can do it. You can have anyone you want in the studio and you can mm-hmm. basically, you're, you're not being paid. It's not like there's HR lurking over your shoulder. Uh, no, I was going <laughs> to say there's no HR in, in that side of the music industry. So yeah, there's, there were definitely a lot of things that went down early on for me that were like kind of sketchy and kind of didn't feel safe. And, um, so there were, you know, certain people I wouldn't work with after dark kind of stuff. Um, but you know, there's also different types of song. Like for instance, when you go to Nashville to write a song, it's like, it's like a nine to five, like they clock in it. They start at 10 usually, you know, cause they're musicians yeah. <laughs> and then they'll end at six, you know, and everybody's home for dinner with their wives and families and you know, very so different, it's very yeah. different there. And then the pop worlds, a lot of times things won't start till 11 PM and then you work all night and you don't know you know, who's going to show up and whatever. Yeah, it's, it's very unpredictable. Um, but as far as temptation goes, I think it's honestly, that's like a lot of a lot of urban stuff. There's more weed and stuff like in the pop world. There isn't as much of that. I think people especially it's not it's not the 80s anymore. So you don't see a lot of like Guns N' Roses type of stuff happening. Right. Um, or probably people, kiss stuff. Yeah. <laughs> though, though, I mean, Gene doesn't drink and do drugs. So yeah, well, when, neither, neither do I anymore. So that definitely made my life a lot simpler. Um <laughs> But yeah, there you see people kind of succumb to that. Definitely. Um, so sometimes it helps. Some some people like need to be stoned to write. Um, and some people are great when they're drunk, you know, like, but I, I believe that if you're capable of doing something when you're intoxicated, it's already inside of you. And it's just a matter of kind of getting your inhibitions out of the way. But, Almost all of Lil Wayne's catalog was under the influence. Oh, yeah, like I'm sure. Every, I'm sure. He, he would start his recording sessions at 4 a.m. and <laughs> blunt after blunt after blunt. Like, I don't think he's recorded a single word sober. You know, and so it works for some people. Yeah, totally. No, I mean, Snoop Dogg's same way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, everyone has their process. But, yeah. um, and so what's tell us more about what's coming next. Like how? Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I just am putting out Mad Mad World mm-hmm. and um, I made a music video for that. So that will be coming in the next few weeks. And then um, and who shot that? 
Uh, my boyfriend, Darren Craig, is an incredible director. That's right. I saw his Instagram and he took all those incredible pictures of you, right? Yeah, like yeah. Your Instagram is beautiful. Oh, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, you've got wonderful photographs thank with you. all these incredible hairstyles. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So your boyfriend. His handle yeah. is Darren fucking Craig. Just That's for, right. Just for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And he's done stuff for Rihanna and Kanye and Kesha and, you know, um, every, everybody under the sun. So I'm really lucky to when have When you say like, stuff, does it mean music videos? videos. Okay. Yeah, music videos. Um, so I'm really lucky to have a world-class director living <laughs> living in my house you know what I mean so um, we we have a lot of fun creating together um, so we did that video and that will be coming out shortly and then I'm also working on uh, I'm getting back into acting and I've started writing screenplays and I'm working on a book wow. and uh, so I just kind of like I took a break from songwriting for a second because I was feeling really kind of just burnt out I guess um, and I wanted to see what else I could do, you know? Um, and now I've been on tour with Kygo and playing in arenas and all this incredible stuff. So I know I can write songs. I know I can perform and sing. What else can I do is the question. So I'm really excited to kind of explore my other creative sides. Your what Instagram kind of is really good too. Let me yeah. just shout out. It's, it's Bonnie McKee, M-C-K-E-E, if you want to follow her there. Yeah. So you have a lot of really beautiful stuff on yeah, there. Yeah, really beautiful. Thank you. And what kind of acting are you getting into? Oh, I'm just taking classes and stuff. I did some acting um, years ago. I was in a movie called August Rush. I don't know if you remember that one. <laughs> Missed that one. Yeah. And um, and I played Janis Joplin on a TV show. And like I did a little bit here and there. That's I wasn't fun. I wasn't really trying that hard, but it just kind of fell in my lap. So I think that, you know, if I apply myself, that I'd love to get back into that. I'm really also... Um, passionate about uh, getting into directing. I want to get into directing and producing. And like, I love being on sets and creating visual art. That's like a big part of what I do. Like I've always said, somebody asked me recently, like, when are you happiest? And I was like, when I'm on set for music videos. Um, so how do I make that like a full-time thing? And so um, I want to adapt this book that I'm writing into a screenplay and make it into a show or maybe a Broadway thing. I'm not sure. How did you meet your boyfriend? Um, working together. Yeah, he was um, my creative director on my EP, on my independent EP, Bombastic. Um, oh, so he did he shoot that um, that particular yeah. video? No, he creative directed it. Um, but he shot uh, I Want It All for that well, one. That one was really funny. That's the one where you're yeah. all dressed up in like the 1970s workout gear. Yeah. You look like Jane Fonda. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then I shoot lasers out of my boobs. <laughs> So, Classic yeah. maneuver. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure Jane would approve. Yeah, <laughs> but you were doing all the moves that I used to do when I would do uh, my um, what were they called? Like those classes that you would like for oh, years. Like aerobics, Ar- like a yeah. jazzercise, step aerobics. Yeah. yeah, not step aerobics. No, like aerobics. There mm-hmm. used to be aerobics. They don't do them anymore. Those classes. No, and I would totally go because let me tell you something. I was sweating like a pig on that set. So that that shit works. so you met him on set did he ever talk what was he what did he find working with Kanye was like oh um he he loved it he did the the blessings video um with him and um I forget who else is on that uh Big Sean I think and who was it was I don't remember who else was on that one anyway Drake yeah Drake there you go yeah Big Sean um, yeah, no, he's, he's done a lot of urban stuff and, um, he just has such a, he's such a brilliant artist visually. He really knows how to like make something out of nothing. Like he'll pitch the concept and it sounds so simple. And then like you see it on screen and it's just like colorful and beautiful and rich and. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He's incredible. I'm very lucky. That's Darren Seems- fucking Craig for you. That's right. That's how we do. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, and you can follow him on Instagram too. But, you know, I think that your life could turn into an incredible TV series. Oh, thank you. Well, like you've, so you've written a book, but seriously, like think about all the experiences you've had. I would want to watch it. And well, thank you so much. I, I want to see you like on Netflix, Hulu, <laughs> like seriously. And you've got, you've got your boyfriend that mm-hmm. can work with you on it. Yeah. I mean, okay. that's, that's kind of the plan. That's what I'd like to do. So, um, you know, Netflix, give me a call. I'm available. <laughs> single, <laughs> with the single, it's a jam, right? Well, I'm, I'm feeling it. Thank you. Well, listen, good luck. And everybody, you've got to listen to and download Mad Mad World and follow Bonnie McKee and her career. And we want you back when you've got that TV series ready to go. We want (laughs) to see it. We want to follow along with your life. Great. I'll be here. (laughs) Okay. Good luck with it all. And thanks for talking with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I don't want to look because I don't want to know. Could check out Don't do it I